So I gave him 25 grand. Three months later, I got 50 grand back in my hands. And I'm like, that is awesome. <laughs> That's like a 400% annualized return. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Every once in a while, there comes a service that revolutionizes an industry. And I am proud to say that our best ever sponsor, Cozy, is that service for landlords and tenants. Cozy simplifies the rental process for everyone. Simply put, Cozy makes it easy to collect rent online, to screen tenants, to order credit reports, to do all the things that you are currently doing manually, but to automate it so that you can focus on more important things like growing your portfolio this year. The best part is that Cozy is completely free. It's free. There aren't any minimums, there aren't any transaction fees or monthly payments. No other service on the planet offers this to you for free. And one of the things that I love about Cozy is that Cozy automatically collects and transfers the rent so that every month you don't have to worry about forgetful tenants forgetting to pay you the rent. You can actually receive that rent automatically in your bank account, no questions asked. So you can say goodbye to paper checks, late payments, and all those lame excuses. And here's your chance to simplify your life and make more money. Join me and sign up for Cozy at Cozy.co. That's C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Garrett Gunderson. Hi, Garrett. Joe, good to be with you, man. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the show. And Garrett is joining us from Salt Lake City, Utah. He is a New York Times bestselling author of a book called Killing Sacred Cows. And the book's really about busting the traditional financial myths and providing refreshing alternatives um, to those myths. And he is also the founder of Freedom Fast Track, which is a results-based financial services and personal development company. Uh, And he's a real estate investor himself. He has a really interesting story that we'll get into where he owned up to 100 properties and now he's down to five. So I'm curious personally about why he went from 100 to five and what he learned along the way. And lastly... He grew up in a small coal mining town, and I, I think he's, what would what, you say, you're a third generation, it was a third generation coal miner? Yeah, well, yeah, I broke You it. broke, right, I'm right. The, I'm the one that didn't do <laughs> yeah. it. But, uh, you would have been the yeah, third generation. I, yeah, my great-grandfather's grandfather's and even my dad, all coal miners. With that being said, Garrett, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background about... Um, how you got to this point and you know, more of your journey and what you're focused on now? When I was a teenager, I started a business and uh, it was detailing cars. And I won Young Entrepreneur of the Year for the state of Utah and it came with 5000 bucks. And unlike most teenagers, I wanted to invest that money. And so that kind of started the journey was going around and asking people what I should do with that money, which the first thing was who did I know that had money? Or I detailed the cars for a credit union because that was my, you know, car detailing business was my business. And so they, you know, they're telling me put it in CDs and stuff like that. I'm talking to my uncle. He's telling me what stocks to put it in because 
he lost his money in the market, but makes it being a, you know, an executive or going into a bank and then having them tell me to buy mutual funds because it was the person that was licensed to sell mutual funds. So what I found was a whole lot of biased advice based upon compensation or based upon lack of knowledge. And that's what really began my journey because asking all those questions and talking to all those people, first of all, I wasn't even 18. So my mom, this, you know, kind of Italian immigrant, their, their thought around money was you bury it in the backyard. You put it in coffee cans. You save, you save, you save, and you don't ever put it in anything that would really be an investment. It was really kind of a scarcity mentality. And I was raised with that thought process, but have fortunately broke through that. But at the same time, I kind of went to the other extreme. I went, when I was 18 years old, I made my first investment. I bought my first real estate property when I was 19 years old using a champ loan as a down payment for it. And that actually turned out to be a pretty good investment for me, but led me down that path of acquiring over 100 properties and making some major mistakes and doing some things that are really intelligent. And I'm willing to share both. (laughs) And uh, that's kind of how I got into finance was finding out what I want to do with my own money. I got offered an internship, which really meant... They sell mutual funds and life insurance because that's what most financial planners, unfortunately, are, is product peddlers and salesmen more than they are consultants or more than they are kind of comprehensive planning. And I found that out when I was 22 years old and walked into a family services firm in New York City. And if you had $50 million or more, then you had this table of people, whether it was attorneys and accountants and fiduciaries and you know insurance professionals all looking to see how all the pieces fit together, helping people protect, preserve, and even in some cases, continue to grow their money. But I also kind of really saw that the people that made the money in this world wasn't because they dollar cost averaged or asset allocated or threw their money to the market and hoped that it was going to return if they just bought it, trade, and held it. But instead, it was people that owned businesses. And took initiative with their own unique advantage and their own skills and their own abilities. And they had influence over the outcomes instead of just handing their money over and not having any idea how it was going to return. So people who own businesses and have influence over the success of the businesses are the people who win in the long run, the financial game. So what, what did you learn? You, you had up to a hundred properties. Now you're down to five. Yep. Um, some would say that owning an individual property is like owning a business. So what what was the reason why you went from 100 to 5? Because my business, my interests, my core competencies, the things that drive me most, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't fascinated by real estate. I just looked at it as a means to an end. It was a way to make money. And so I would initially go out and be the money and find people who had expertise in that area and partner with them. Unfortunately, if their financial circumstance or situation wasn't as good as mine, or something happened that wasn't ideal, a lot of times I was left holding the bag and I ended up being involved in real estate transactions that I wasn't really excited about or I wasn't really knowledgeable about. And so that was kind of the mistake that I made. But it it started not only with that first property that I bought I rented out two of the rooms. So I had a nicer place than most people in college when I'm 19 years old. I have a great brand new town home. You know, I, I'm charging rent. I'm cash flowing the thing. I'm, you know, owner occupied. So I had all those advantages. I'm building my credit at an early age because I'm the one that signed on the whole thing. It's incredible. But then <laughs> what was crazy is I have a brother-in-law that was, you know, at the time he's just my friend. 
not my brother-in-law. He's my brother-in-law now, but he's doing some real estate in California. He's six years older than I than I am, and he's like, "Hey, I could use some earnest money, and I could do this deal where I could get this under contract, and I could turn around and I I can get another buyer in a short period of time, and I don't even have to flip it. The market's really. I mean, he didn't have to fix and flip. He could just flip it, and." So I gave him 25 grand. Three months later, I got 50 grand back in my hands. And I'm like, that is awesome. <laughs> That's like a 400% annualized return. I'm feeling pretty smart. So I then turn around and buy a property in Las Vegas. No money down. I basically bought it and then leased it back to the person who was living in it that was falling behind on their payments. And Vegas was super hot at the time. So I, I, I could have made even more money on the deal. But even though he behind on his payments to me, I honored the lease option when he finally got uh, someone to, to buy it out. And I made 90 grand on the second deal with no money down. So I was like, at that time, I'm a real estate pro in my <laughs> mind. I'm like, I got to do more of this. I'm so smart, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I ended up acquiring um, several properties. I was in the business. I was still in financial services at the time. And so I had a client that was a developer and he talked about a development that was, you know, going bankrupt. So, and the reason and the reason behind it made sense. So I bought out the the last part of the development, and we put up a fourplex, and you know, and then I went and uh, bought in another fourplex. So you talked before, you know, you and I were were talking. You heard on one of my videos the story of I owned 14 real estate properties, yet I lived in a rental. So what, imagine it kind of sucked being my wife early on because <laughs> I just was like all about reinvesting, reinvesting, and nothing about enjoying or living life. Because I just, I grew up in a small town. I thought being a millionaire would mean that I, that I was successful. And so I did that through that scarcity mindset that I had gotten through my, you know, lessons from my family. And I started acquiring a lot of real estate, but I wasn't paying attention to real estate. I wasn't investing my knowledge and time and listening to radio shows and you know, I, I was just kind of like, I was good because my first two transactions were mm -hmm. good. And I started getting so involved in it and building so many partnerships that, like we've talked about, I got a hundred doors. The problem was it wasn't passive, you know? Sometimes people call it passive income, but it there's deferred maintenance on some of these properties. There were property managers that allowed squatters in that weren't paying rent. And we had four months, you know, eviction process, now paying attorneys. Now it became more of a distraction from my core business. And I'm competing against other people in real estate that are actually knowledgeable and know what they're doing. I look at it this way. Risk isn't in the investment. It's in the investor. Two people could own the same piece of real estate or nearly identical. One can make money. The other one can lose money. The difference is their knowledge and their ability to deliver value with that medium. And some people, like, you know, early on, I bought a fourplex in Tennessee just because everything else I did was so good, I ended up taking seven flights to Tennessee when my partner went bankrupt in that project to work through that project, deal with that whole project. I mean, the opportunity cost was immense. And that's when I started to liquidate properties was after that Tennessee debacle. And I started liquidating them in 2007. And unfortunately, I was pretty greedy because the first property I sold made a ton of money. And so I kept all the prices super high, which meant I only liquidated a portion of the properties before... 2008 hit and the mortgage crisis came about. You have gone through the cycles of, I mean, it's incredible the amount that, that you've, you've seen from, you know, zero properties as a college student to, you know, renting a couple of the rooms out to, you know, doing flips. 
And you, you've mentioned a lot of interesting things, and I'm going to save them for this, my summary at the end. So with that being said, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Focus, don't diversify. I know that everyone in the world talks about diversification, but the thing is, if you get too diversified and you're doing flip, fix and flips and then you're doing um, some lease options over here and some rentals over there and some commercial over here and some residential over there, it, how can you become totally expert? And the thing is, the insider's advantage is if you say, this is what I'm going to bring to the table. This is where I'm going to really just totally get the best out of anyone I know and as best as I possibly can. And you really leverage that in one key arena. That doesn't mean only have one property, but it means utilize and, uh, one strategy at the maximum and then learn the other strategies as keys for exit. Because real estate oftentimes is much easier to get into than getting out of depending on the market cycle. So always know your exit strategy, focus instead of diversify, and make sure to keep good liquidity because if you get over leveraged, that's the only time that you can truly lose. You ready for the best ever lightning round? First, a quick word from our sponsor. Best ever listeners, it's 2015, and wouldn't you like to simplify the landlording process and automate it as much as possible while making more money along the way? It's a landlord's dream, right? With online rent payments, applications, and secure credit reports, Cozy makes being a landlord incredibly easy. And best of all, it's completely free. Sign up for Cozy at Cozy.co. That's C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. Okay, Garrett, best ever book. Atlas Shrugged. And I'm going to do a shameless plug for your book, um, not only uh, Killing Sacred Cows, but then also you'd mentioned you've got another book coming up in April, right? Yes, I do. What, what's yep. the focus of that? It's called uh, <laughs> Budgeting Sucks, Why Cutting Back is Costing You a Fortune. So it's about how to increase cash flow. And as you know, and as you teach, I mean, one of the great cash flow assets can be real estate. And that's where it could be a really big advantage for people because everyone's being sold. They should just scrimp, save, defer, delay, put money into retirement plans. And then 30 years from now, we're age 65, whichever's greater, they're going to be good. But they're going to miss out on tons of money along the way and take far too much risk. And I'm showing them where they can save on tax, where they can structure the best interest rates, where they can find hidden fees and commissions in their investment portfolios. And anyway, I don't want to give too much of a plug, but there's a little bit of a case. Okay, excited excited to read that. And for uh, best ever listeners, I'm going to do uh, a little something right now for Garrett's book that he has out. Since this episode is going to be going live in January, a couple months before, for uh, the first best ever listener who tweets their favorite quote to me, at uh, Joe Fairless, from this interview, I will mail you a copy of Killing Sacred Cows. Okay, Garrett, nice. best ever per- I'll sign that copy. Oh, nice. All right. Even better. I'll sign that copy. <laughs> best yeah. ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. You know, I think that it was the advanced course of Landmark. I was in my early 20s, and I had learned about something that called my act, which was the thing that was keeping me from being playing full out and really helped me see one of my greatest blind spots. And once I figured that out, I had a whole different level of peace. I had a whole new world of prosperity. And so I think it was that advanced course session where I was the first guy to go up on the stage in front of a couple hundred people and deal with the thing that I was holding most 
dear and sacred because I never wanted anyone to know it about me. And I figured out from the silly little thing that happened when I was a kid, I thought I was stupid. And that was preventing me from being great. A daily power hour, which is exercise, education, and enlightenment to start the day. So exercise, read something, listen to something, and then, uh, you know, do a little meditation for me, but whatever the right discipline is for the for the listeners. Exercise, education, enlightenment before you start your day. It's like putting on a shield of abundance and being able to be more productive. I imagine you're a fan of Tony Robbins as well. I just read his book, Money. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that guy's made a lot of impact in the world. That's for dang sure. Best ever deal you've done. I just actually bought uh, into a company that has 350,000 subscribers, and so that's fresh. That's within the last few months. So, so far, that has been the best deal I've ever done. How do you determine the return on investment with that deal? One is literally just how much money we're making. You know, basically in the first two months, we've produced a million of revenue, but I'm, I'm, we've created a game that we're going to impact one million entrepreneurs to become more economically independent by January 1st, 2020. So if we have a million people that are engaged in our publications, engaged in our programs and our events, and that are increasing their cash flow and enough to cover their expenses, we know that we've won that game. And our return on investment is we have three different legs to that business, and there's an exit strategy on one of the three legs. One is me and my content that I always want to perpetuate, but another is a, is a company that we've built for a long time that, that helps us expand in a process called cash flow banking, which is a killer strategy for real estate, actually. And through cash flow banking, we have a sellable entity. So if we sell it for what we think, well, my return on investment will be in the, uh, you know, five figures uh, percentage-wise. So that's pretty good. What's the best ever project you're excited about right now? And you might have just mentioned it. Well, the, the project that I'm really excited about is we're actually creating a test. And this test is called strength vesting. And strength vesting is identifying what investments you, you do based upon who you are so that you can magnify your results by leveraging what's greatest about your knowledge, your ability, your values, and what you're going to pay the most attention to so that people don't get caught up in a whole bunch of investments that mean nothing to them, trusting advisors that are no more than salespeople, but instead can know what to avoid and what to really emphasize. And uh, so I think it'll be really helpful for real estate investors to finding out which things are, are best for them. Best ever quote. Best ever quote. Well, it's a little bit longer, but... Uh, the master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his education and his recreation, his love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence in whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he's working or playing. To him, he's always doing both. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Uh, getting involved in a partnership where I did not see the books and have control over the books. I, I, there were three partners. We ended up acquiring a whole bunch of property, and I, I just couldn't get a handle on what was going on. And uh, the thing I learned from that was you make money on the buy, and if there's no accountability, there's no profitability. And Garrett, what's the best ever place to reach you? Me personally, it's probably through email, uh, Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T, at wealthfactory.com. Uh, or if people want to really apply what I'm talking about, they can go to wealthfactory.com forward slash scorecard. And there's these 10 questions to find out how aligned an investment is with your strengths so that you can really start to say, this is a good investment for me. This isn't some risk profile or risk assessment. This is more about 
your strengths and how to invest based upon that. Garrett, if this was a video, you and the best ever listeners would see my head nodding up and down most of the time you're talking. I mean, it, it, I just wholeheartedly believe in everything that you are mentioning. And, you know, it really, to me, what it boils down to from what, what I'm taking away from this conversation is that it's about what you enjoy doing. Do what you enjoy doing. Do, like you mentioned, you weren't fascinated by real estate investing. Therefore, you weren't spending your waking hours studying it. But you had success, but you were going up against people who are fascinated by it. And if you, I think right. it ties into what you're, you know, you're talking about with strength vesting, where you identify the investments based on who you are, what you're interested in, what you're passionate about. I mean, there's a clear theme throughout this entire conversation, even with your quote on, you know, make little distinction between work and play. And I, you know, a common question that I always get and I always see is what type of real estate should I invest in? What what should, you know, I, I don't know. And it's like, well, you can be successful in any type of real estate because people are. It's a matter of what are you, as you mentioned, what are you living and breathing? And, you know, risk, as you said, risk isn't in the investment, it's in the investor. And I mean, you're, you're just a, a, a walking soundbite is what you are. <laughs> I mean, th- this, is, this is just incredible insight. And I, I think there's, there's a clear theme throughout. And I'm so grateful that you're on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners. So thank you so much. And is there anything um, to close out that you'd like to add? Well, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it, and I appreciate that you're out there educating people. I think that education is the highest dividend that any of us can have. You know, the more educated you are in the right way, and then when you take action on it, that's how you manage risk and mitigate it. That's how you maximize profitability and exploit it. And where people get the highest returns in this world is when they can get amazing at something, and then they can see it in a way that other people don't because of the attention that they pay and there's a lot of big dividends there there's there's triple digit returns on that kind of stuff and i think the only way people are getting wealthy is through that education through applying that education and that the old system of finance where we hand our money over to someone and hope that it works out has far too long failed it but billions of dollars of marketing go into having us be distracted and not pay attention to what matters you have a choice and a chance to do something different which is invest in something that you know, have some influence over how that thing's going to grow, and ultimately make sure that you can learn lessons along the way instead of just handing your money over and the only lesson you can learn is, I guess I need to start developing myself rather than developing someone else's paycheck. Best ever listeners, let's go get amazing at something. Thanks a lot, Garrett. Thank you. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to JoeFairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 